This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Zoya's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawira Karatai. Kia ora, Mawira. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. The summer is rolling on, even though we're back at work. Yep, it is going too fast. And actually, it's been quite nice having some sort of um, under 18 degree nights the last couple of nights. It's been quite nice, I have to say. I got a remarkable amount of work done yesterday sitting on the beach. Oh, that's a good thing. Well done. I actually printed some stuff off and I sat on the beach and got work done. Best of both worlds. You and I have often had conversations about the need to get rid of the bricks and mortar and and actually there's the evidence for that. Exactly. And who are we introducing today? Today it is my very great pleasure uh, to introduce Ricky. Uh, Ricky Nelson and I have known each other for a few years. Um, He is uh, one of the most active change activists I've ever had the pleasure of working with. We currently work on the Kaumai Mamaku Trust together, uh, the New Zealand Māori Council together, and um, and yesterday we had some wonderful news that the work that we've been doing around the Māori wards has come to fruition. Uh, Ricky is a person who drives change in a really beautiful way, and, and it's an honour to know him, and it's lovely to have you here today, Ricky. Thank you, Mawera. Welcome, Ricky. Where are you, Ricky? Kia ora. Uh, I live at uh, at the Mount Mamanganui. That's a nice place to be. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we've got uh, beautiful beaches here. Um, the only thing is, uh, I live uh, right next to Bayfair and um, traffic twenty four seven. And how has your bubble life been? How was your lockdown for starters? <sighs> So the, the, the lockdown uh, brought many, um, many struggles, but also many blessings as well. So uh, my oldest boy here, we sent him to Hamilton Boys um, uh, last year and uh, we managed to get him back. And uh, I've got uh, four kids and basically locking the entire family up uh, the, the entire time was actually a, well, I viewed it as, as, a, bless- as a blessing just being with the family for uh, so long. Um, but as a, as a hapu rep as well, uh, we had uh, quite a lot of... Uh, uh, issues as as um, as as you would know by making sure that uh, all our vulnerable ones, especially our komatua, were, were protected, safe, and uh, provided for as well. You had kids at home schooling at home. Are they looking forward to going back to school properly this year? An undisrupted school yeah. year. Yep, yep, they're all looking forward to it. So, um, so yeah, they're they're ready to go. Uh, my daughter's even been wearing her new uniform, uh, even though school hasn't started. <laughs> <laughs> And back to Hamilton Boys? Yes, yeah. So we sent him to Hamilton Boys because uh, we, he, he's, uh, well, he's 17 and he's uh, six foot seven and uh, pretty good at basketball. So they've got a really good uh, basketball program over there. Cool. And how has your summer been? 
Um, summer's, summer's been good. Uh, we, we didn't really uh, plan uh, to do much um, because I, I work in a number of uh, fields. I just wanted to uh, take a little bit of time off to focus on uh, making sure that we had, uh, well, that I had enough time to do a little bit of strategy leading into this year. This year is going to be uh, big for, for our people. We've got some uh, big uh, co that we're working on in the environment and partnering up with uh, Department of Conservation. Cool. What are you doing? So, so I sit on the uh, Kaimai Mamaku uh, uh, steering group um, as a Tangata Whenua representative um, that re- represents all the stakeholders of uh, the Kaimai Mamaku. What we did, um, we managed to apply for some of that um, uh, COVID uh, funding for the Kaimai Mamaku, around about $19 million for environmental enhancement, for pest control and other environmental kaupapa. Uh, the money is specifically to provide, you know, jobs and and mitigate uh, against that, um, uh, you know, against the economic uh, downturn that we we anticipate is going to happen over the next couple of years due to COVID. And are doing track building or pest control? Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a number of uh, things. Uh, we we there, there will be track maintenance. There will be uh, opening up uh, new uh, pest control fronts, um, supporting some of the uh, community groups that are already established their pest control programs um, throughout uh, the Nahiri up there. Um, also, because I I uh, represent Hapu in the northern uh, Kaimai. We've got uh, some of the, uh, well, we've actually got the largest uh, southern regenerating kauri forests in the northern, well, in New Zealand. And it's actually probably the healthiest forest in the world uh, for kauri. Um, so uh, we represent our tangata whenua and we are the kauri track ambassadors for the northern Kaimai. So that's that's a big kaupapa that we're going to be uh, focusing on in the next couple of years as well. Are you managing to keep that disease out? Yep. So, so Cody dieback is not in northern Kaimai yet. It's at the Waitakere's up, definitely up north. It's uh, having a devastating effect to our Cody up there. So, what we're involved in is uh, more of a uh, a public uh, interface where we have our track ambassadors at the track ends set up uh, to make sure that they're using the wash stations to uh, raise awareness, um, you know, in the public domain. So, so that's our role as uh, Cody track ambassadors. Is that partnership working? The 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 dock and the the community groups, the the harpu, the those relationships. How does that play out? Well, well, yes, yes, and and I think it's it's a really good example of how a government organisation like a Department of Conservation can uh, give effect to the treaty partnership. So we, we've been working uh, along with uh, Doc for the past uh, four to five years in uh, Cody protection. Um, we the the issue that we've had as Tangata Whenua is that we have not had any resources to actively partake in uh, as being kaitiaki of of our uh, Cody. So uh, DOC has managed to, over the past couple of years, uh, secure a small amount of funding where we can uh, train our rangatahi up or train our people up uh, to be kaitiaki of up in the up in the um, uh, DOC estate to be kaitiaki of our uh, Cody. What does that mean, teaching them? So, so basically, it, um, it, it it's all about developing and building capability and capacity uh, within our people, uh, giving them a you know arming them with uh, with the knowledge, the knowledge of um, you know why why the work that we do is actually important, the protection of our, our kauri, um making sure they have our our cultural and our historical uh, stories there um, to inform the people of why it's so important to tangata whenua to save one of our uh, ta- taonga species, the Cody tree. 
Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Estranged by Guns N' Roses. Why this one? Well, um, Estranged takes me back to when I used to do a paper run. (laughs) <laughs> uh, when I, in, in my in my early to mid teens, I, I was a uh, big uh, Guns N' Roses uh, fan uh, back in the day, and uh, this song, I I think it's uh, there, there's so much depth. One of my favourite guitarists is uh, Slash. Um, and actually, I'm taking my son Rico to Guns N' Roses at the end of the year, so he's old enough to uh, to go. So we're going to go to Guns N' Roses, but it, it's actually a long song. But if you if you have it, have a listen to it. There's so many uh, peaks peaks and troughs during the song there's there's a masterpiece of um of lead guitar by slash and um uh, yeah it's one one of my favorite songs of all time
Ricky, Moira described you as a change activist and that we're celebrating at the moment. What are we celebrating? Okay, so what we're celebrating is the announcement from the Minister uh, yesterday that uh, they're going to be taking the legislation that allows for that uh, petition to be uh, activated um, so that it goes out for you know public consultation uh, or a referendum out to the public. So that particular piece of me- uh, legislation is a mechanism for, for the people like Hobson's Pledge to go out to the community to stop any type of uh, Māori representation going on to uh, local government. So um, we've successfully uh, managed to get uh, many councils throughout the country to approve the process to go and establish a Māori ward. Uh, The issue is we usually have these groups in the community, which are the Hobson's Pledges and and their supporters, uh, to go out and try to undermine that process by running this this, uh, petition. So the good thing now is that uh, if a council decides to establish a Māori ward, it takes away this this roadblock that um, that is there to undermine uh, that uh, process. And what have you been doing? What's your been your role in that that process? So, so uh, my my involvement has um, has been for a few years. Uh, back in 2017, uh, I was on a group uh, for the Western Bay uh, Partnership Forum, which is the Tangata Whenua uh, Forum of Representatives, and we were we were progressing our Māori wards um, co-papa at the time, and. Uh, so we actually identified early on that uh, we, we had a we had a couple of Hobbs pledges that actually sat on uh, council seats in the Western Bay uh, Council, and we knew that uh, that was the intention to run the uh, petition. So what we tried to do was was put a public um, message out there, you know, stating that it's necessary because there's no multi reputation uh, in the Western Bay. It's actually pretty weak. Their, uh, their their track track record isn't too, uh, too flash as as you know so uh, we we tried to get the public on board but uh, as it happened um, we went uh, successful and that uh, we dedicated a lot of time to um, to that co-piper so and, and you know uh, for us it's actually quite it's demoralizing it's quite heartbreaking uh, we've got a lot of people that we represent um, and there are not really any effective voice in local government especially with uh, Western Bay so uh, yeah that it's that that was the start of my um, of my involvement in the Kaupapa, but uh, since then we've been active, uh, yeah, every every year trying to establish effective um, representation for, for Māori and local government. In terms of the, the leverage that you have for change, what are the levers you've been pulling on? It, it, it's not, I mean, it's, it's so obvious a thing that should be happening, but is it this... Is it a point of convincing the people who are already convinced, or do you actually need them to get mobilised in order to convince other people? How do you see the change happening? So, so we we worked quite a lot over those uh, over that uh, period of uh, 2017, uh, 2018. Uh, there was a number of co-papa that we actually tried to use the local government as a mechanism to uh, deliver our co-papa. We uh, we found early on that. Um, that everything that we brought to the table was getting undermined um, and, and attacked uh, from these uh, uh, community groups uh, focused on you know any any positive Māori kaupapa that we ever put forward. So so we identified that um, uh, this is actually bigger. If we try to use the local government as a mechanism, uh, we are coming up against um, basically a beast that's uh, not going to achieve any outcomes. So for me, um, I'm quite pro- pragmatic. So I wanted to have a look at other solutions. So what we did is we 
uh, pulled in uh, New Zealand Māori Council um, with our uh, CEO, which is uh, Matt Tukaki, um, and we put on the table uh, a couple of years ago that um, there's this uh, group, Hobson's Pledges, that were focus- that deliberately focusing on any positive Māori kaupapa in local government and trying to undermine it and so on. So what Matthew Tukaki did at the time, which was really good, uh, he, he brought that uh, to the public, uh, um, to, to light in public, uh, exposing them, um, identifying those people, which was, you know, the Margaret Murray Benjes, the Don Brashes that were quite influential in Tauranga Moana. Um, the, the other part was that we needed to focus on uh, changing that uh, legislation as well. Uh, the general populace would not be supportive of uh, Māori because, you know, uh, that's just the way it is. So we focused on uh, developing those networks and relationships, especially with uh, the government that was uh, coming in, which was uh, the Labour government. The issue with the Labour government is they did not uh, have the support. So we knew Tamati uh, Coffee was was a big supporter. Um, and at the time, uh, Nanaia made the decision not to progress uh, with a bill and, and uh, you know, through the government because they didn't have this support of uh, New Zealand first. Now, the big change uh, came, and that was our intention, and I know that uh, that was uh, Labour's was uh, to change that uh, legislation. Uh, that was the issue. The big change was when they uh, got into power this time around, and they knew that they had uh, the numbers to uh, push it through, and uh, as soon as they came in, we knew that that was one of the first um, uh, things on, on their list to uh, tick off. So, so what happens next with the Maori wards? So, so the next step, I think it's going to be happening pretty soon, is um, it's going to go to uh, Parliament. And I'm not sure about the timeline. Uh, Marweta might be able to um, get some clarification around that. But um, we anticipate it's going to happen uh, really quick. Uh, we had a meeting of, of the representatives that were pushing this kaupapa last night. And... Um, yeah, it, it's going to happen quite soon. And they were talking about uh, the Labour government uh, perhaps uh, pushing it back retrospectively and including some of the other uh, the other uh, um, uh, decisions by councils that were that um, approved uh, multi wards as well. I can't confirm that, but I tell you what, that would be awesome for the Western Bay because ours was turned turned down in uh, 2017. They can retrospectively uh, go back and state, hey, well, it was already approved by council. Uh, let's run the process that that because for us. We're hoping the same will be the case here. We um, missed out by something like 3% at the referendum vote. Um, total support at the council level went to referendum, yeah, just 3%, which means a lot of non-Māori also supported our kaupapa. So we're hopeful of the same thing. But um, the minister said there are, there'll be two legislation changes. There's a first one coming in March, and then there's a tidying up of the Act generally where it relates to Māori wards later in the year, um, and everything all set for the uh, coming uh, local body elections in 2022. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mahi aroha noe, kia koutou koutou We hope you're all having best day, beautiful superstars in the beloved universes. I really hope that you are. Whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're on together is a reward and sustain and illumine for you not each day who you are. Trial natures are perfect. Things better. Thank you. So here we are. We've made it together to 2021, which is so amazing. I hope everybody is feeling very proud of themselves. And I'm supremely grateful to have this time with you. I want to say a big thank you to Sam, the whole Blown Boss team. Thank you for having it. so wonderful to be able to share this time and space with you all. So I know that for all of us, 2020 was just a very, very huge year and 
lots of learning, lots of growth, lots of change, lots of doing, seeing, being, feeling in new ways, and lots of adapting. And all of these things, I think, have left us feeling depleted and in need of restoration in various ways. So this is my focus at the moment, is really going within and seeing where I need to restore and care for myself and aspects of myself have become depleted. And of course, as a species, we love metaphor. One of my favourite metaphors is that of my heart's home workplace, Orokanui Eco Sanctuary. And I love the the act of walking through the fence of fence into the sanctuary into safe place, knowing that that is mirroring the sanctuary within, that we hold within, infinite and eternal and always there for us. But this process of restoration is really quite fascinating as well. So obviously when we first started Orokanui in 2006, the first steps of that restoration process were to go around and see what was living there already. And based on this first population survey we were then able to see what we needed to do in order to care for and restore the Orokanui Valley in the best way. And of course we are prioritising our native species and their care and removing non-native species. And I think that this is something that we can all do for ourselves. We can go within, we can see what is living within me, what is what is there within me, what is a native species, so what's something that's risen from within, what's something that is part of who we are, that we really value and we want to care for. And what is an introduced species, what is something that's come from outside and it might be, you know, unhelpful beliefs, it might be know limiting limiting ideas it might be notions that we have been conditioned to hold but don't actually serve us that well and they can be returned to their own native ecosystems they can return from whence they came and we can remove them and once we've really just got down to our essential nature these native species living within us or then we can start to think about what do they need to survive and thrive this way and we best care for them and i'm really enjoying this process at the moment because i think for all of us there are aspects of ourselves that have been depleted through this huge year of 20 and so taking some time now for ourselves to see how can i best care for these aspects and bring them back to full health, encourage them to survive and thrive, just like the Tui and Kaka Kiwi at Orokanui. And the other thing that we had to do at Orokanui is return species that had become locally extinct, like the Kiwi and like the Kaka, and they had been locally extinct for more than 130 years. And so I'm doing this process now. What parts of me do I feel I want to return? What aspects of me have been locally extinct, as it were, and need to be translocated back? So really a very interesting time. So I really hope for all of you, you're getting the time and space to restore yourself. And I will look forward to speaking with you more tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Ricky Nelson. What's next on your list, Ricky? Oh, ne- next on the list is uh, focusing on um, 
this uh, big uh, environmental kaupapa, uh, which is uh, the dock, uh, 19 million that's uh, coming down for Kaimai Mamaku. So I'm going to be working on a strategy for the Northern Kaimai and a number of hapu and uh, uh, environmental groups. Uh, so that's going to take up quite a bit of my time. But in saying that, um, as far as uh, Māori representation of local government, uh, we've been uh, trying to work along with uh, the Western Bay. Um, the Western Bay have have been very disappointing in the past uh, 18 months as far as uh, Māori representation. Um, and the fact is they don't put enough uh, resourcing into supporting uh, any of the Māori uh, hapu iwi uh, representatives and the kaupapa that they put on the table. In saying that, they got managed to get a, a big kaupapa across the table, which was the Pani Pani point. Uh, return to the the hapu that was that was taken under um, taken under the uh, Public Works Works Act. So so that was that was a you know a good win for for Maori. But but the fact is, over the past uh, year and a half, we haven't been able to put anything else on the table uh, with the Western Bay. It's it's actually disintegrated. Um, our partnership ended up uh, splitting up. Uh, there was accusations that uh, you know the institutional racism within that um, within that uh, council, which is which is fair enough. We had three Hobson's pledges sitting as councillors on there. Um, that their intention was to undermine everything that we put on the table. Um, and we we did have some good news though. Uh, one of them resigned uh, as of. A week ago, <laughs> but but still, that, that doesn't um, that, yeah, that doesn't doesn't excuse the fact that as treaty partners, we're supposed to have an effective mechanism to communicate with local government, and we have not for a very long time with the base. So that, that's our that's our next focus is um, is developing a strategy or another type of forum where we do get that effective um, uh, mechanism to communicate to local government. For those people that don't know the Hobson's Pledge group, what are they trying to achieve? Uh, so their co copper is uh, a one a one nation uh, type of corridor that they keep uh, promoting one one nation uh, meaning that uh, anything as far as uh, you know multi um, um, multi any positive uh, multi kaupapa that uh, we try to progress uh, they undermine their focus is entirely racist um, you know that they, they proclaim that uh, what we're trying to progress is apartheid um, and it's not uh, equal equal rights and that kind of thing so uh, what what we challenge them on is their their way of thinking is uh, outdated um, now uh, Maori have have a right as treaty partners uh, we we did sign the treaty, there was agreements that were, were made, and when you have a look at um, the disparity amongst um, you know the statistics in our society, Maori dominate all those negative statistics. So when we talk about when they talk about equality, uh, I don't think they understand what the, that means. So what we're trying to push for, especially, is equity to make sure that we do have an effective voice, uh, which at the moment we we don't, um, especially in uh, in general in local government. So so that's that's their 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 main kaupapa is to target any positive, you know, Māori initiatives and um, and attack it. In terms of being a change activist that Mawera described you as before, do you see those sorts of groups as something which that needs to be convinced, or that you go around those 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 groups? How do you how do you look at that and say right? How how do we deal with this? 
Okay, so so the way you deal deal with it is you have to expose them. Uh, you cannot uh, you cannot explain your way or reason with them. You cannot um, have a decent conversation. Their minds are already made up. It's the way their their brains are, you know, uh, how they function. There, there's no there's no way to convince them otherwise. Uh, so what we try to do is uh, we try to expose them by bringing them into in, into the public for, forum. They are very public uh, people as well. Uh, apparently proclaiming uh, equality and so on and so forth as as uh, they would like people to know but uh, once once you bring those personalities out into the public once you start uh, posting especially on social media um, all the vile things that they have done in the past to attack uh, Maori to spread uh, untruths and lies um, it's it's quite quite disturbing, uh, and we we effectively used that in the last local government uh, elections back in 2019. We brought the New Zealand Māori Council out to expose uh, Margaret Murray Bench because uh, she and her supporters uh, had a strategy using uh, Māori as the political football uh, once again because that's that's her supporter base that puts her into power. Uh, so so once um, the New Zealand Māori Council went on a campaign to expose Hobbs Hobbs pledges. Um, uh, racist antics up in the Katikati area. That's where one of her wards is in Northern Tauranga. Um, her rhetoric completely changed. Her campaign completely changed. She steered away from uh, the, the Māori bashing, which which was awesome. We had a number of activists. Uh, there was uh, Maurice Lant and um, uh, Joe Trinder that uh, came to a number of those public hui's uh, armed with their uh, recorders and video gear to try and capture some of the racist stuff that she has um, stated in the past. So she was very aware of that. And, you know, that, that was actually quite successful because she was trying to run for mayor. And um, a lot of the people uh, are just over this um, this corner of society in, in Katikati where they did have quite a big uh, following. They're starting to, uh, their following and their numbers are starting to reduce, which, which is which is great. And, and I'll, I'll tell you another mechanism, mechanism they use. They use these uh, community uh, forums as well. So we have these uh, community, uh, what are they called? Community um, uh, committees. And uh, they would usually populate those community committees with um, with their with their members. And uh, the Tapuki and, and Katikati committees, a number of these Hobbs and Pledges, but um, there was quite sweeping change in the last local um, government elections and uh, a number of them got booted out, which was awesome. I like to think that as a nation, people are starting to understand the issues that Māori face post-colonisation and, and understand that there just hasn't been enough time passed for all of those things to be resolved. And I, I always wonder if groups like Hobson's Pledge, when they talk about uh, equality and everything being the same for everybody, if they had to drop the quality of life to what so many Māori families live with, if that would still be what their demand was. As you say, we are so overrepresented in all the negative statistics. Yeah, that, that's what I've challenged them before. Um, they, they talk about equality and uh, we get, uh, you know, special treatments and uh, and pr we're privileged and so on and so forth. And um, at, at our at our forums, I've challenged the, those Hobson's pledges, uh, perhaps on a Sunday whilst they're sitting there, uh, $30 a bottle, a pin on wire, um, to come down and have it and talk to my auntie who's living in, who's 80 years old, living in a shack down on, on the Papakainga, uh, how privileged that uh, she is. 
how do you maintain a positive focus? Because while you need to be working to, let's say, attack these the, 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 these groups, you, you must also need to maintain a, a positive vision for the people who you want to take with you. Yeah, uh, I, I have to say that's one of the hardest um, uh, things. Um, I'm usually quite a positive uh, person um, and I'm very proactive, uh, but I tell you what, it's it's a hard slog um, and it's it's completely soul-destroying as well at times. Um, and, you know, that's that's the reality of it. So someone like me who, who comes from a professional background, um, a, an entrepreneur, um, to, to completely give up his his job, um, well-paid job, uh, to fully dedicate uh, his life to, um, you know, fighting against social injustice, to uh, having uh, been a, an effective representational voice for his people. Um, and then somebody who is used to delivering uh, outcome on a regular basis, um, being bogged down in this, in this, uh, <laughs> you know, in this type of work with, without seeing any... Um, uh, you know, without seeing too many successes, that that is really difficult um, for a person. You have to be a, the type of person to, you know, you have to be a certain type of person. Um, but but I tell you, it's um, you know, at times it's heartbreaking, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a struggle, and it's hard to be positive. Can you see an end but, point? You know, if, we, if we're not going, yeah, if we're not going to do it, then you know, we're, we're not going to make any progress. So we just we just got to keep um, because we've uh, laid the groundwork. Uh, we, if we give up now, then uh, you know. Um, it's all for nothing. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have a black by Pearl Jam. Why this one? So this takes takes me back to my school days. Uh, we were um, we were a school that was uh, heavily into grunge and you know the surfing and the skating scene back in the day at Mount Monganui College. Uh, so so Black is actually a really beautiful song. You listen to the lyrics, um, but uh, one of my favourite bands as well by uh, Pearl Jam. I've seen them shoot maybe four or five times. Um, they were the first international band that I went to to see, and I th- I think I was about seventeen or eighteen, and uh, we went up with a, a busload of uh, seventh formers back in the day <laughs> from uh, Mount Monganui College um, and in the year before uh, we had a school band and we called ourselves Poetic Justice which was uh, you know in tribute to Pearl Jam PJ and we played Jeremy by uh, uh, Pearl Jam and our uh, school talent quest so um, that's my love for the band and uh, the song uh, the song's a quite a beautiful song
Um, my doctorate work is a work that's um, really focused on imagination and the power of imagination and driving change and um, and the, what the absence of imagination means to our society going forward as well. But um, I look at activism and I see that that has to be one of the biggest, um, I guess, the success of activism, activism relies on imagination, um, being able to see an outcome being able to imagine what life will be like if we achieve our objective. Is that something that you find to be so? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Um, and and there, there is a lack of consideration uh, and reason uh, within a certain generation. And I can tell you, uh, one, one of the things that I, I absolutely love to see is the uh, generation coming uh, before, well, after us. And that's, that's the youth of Aotearoa. Um, I tell you what, these kids are so smart, so passionate, um, so more educated uh, than uh, than what we were. Um, even 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 our rangatahi that a uh, uh, little bit uh, right leaning and uh, supporters of our national, I'm finding that uh, you know their values and their ideals um, you know align with the uh, Aotearoa that uh, all of us uh, want. And um, I've been involved with supporting our rangatahi our our kids with their, you know, the strike for climate um, marches and that kind of thing. But I also challenge them. I say, look, because they said, oh, you know, we just want um, uh, the Māori wardens to come and support us to make sure that, you know, we're safe and, and uh, the road and there was like a, a road or so on um, that keep the cars off. I said, well, you know, this is a big kaupapa. This is worldwide kaupapa. You guys, I will... I will um, open the doors for you guys to have a face-to-face meeting uh, with the council. You tell the council you want to shut down the town. Shut down the town. That was our that was our chant. And then uh, previously, before that, the Bay of Plenty Regional Council declared a climate emergency. And uh, you know, one of the biggest uh, uh, climate change. Um, you know, proponents uh, trying to put that messaging out there. Uh, I, I challenged I challenged the uh, Bay of Plenty District Council to put on free buses uh, for the day for all those kids. And when, when I stated it, I said, you know, you guys um, need to put on free buses. Uh, they, uh, the councillors sitting around um, had a little giggle because they thought I was joking. I said, well, let me remind you. And so I read out the um, statement uh, that they, they issued uh, a few months before, which was the climate emergency. And they were like, oh, actually, he's right. So, um, so anyway, they, <laughs> they, they shut down uh, the central city. Uh, for the kids to have a uh, safe um, uh, a safe hikui and um, Bay of Plenty Regional Council put on free buses for the day and so uh, so I challenged the, the leaders and they were like wow we never thought we could do that I, I said I told them I said you you kids of the future you can do anything don't, don't let anything uh, hinder that so I, I'm actually buoyed by um, our our kids coming through and you know uh, you, you can you can sense a change you can sense a change in in the very near future. And um and I and I challenged my generation, the generation uh, before me, to hey just um uh, loosen up the reins and make sure that um uh, the younger generation are actually involved uh, a bit more, especially when it comes to informing uh, decision making, and especially when it comes to you know local government. We're trying to establish uh, rangatahi forums and um and um ways that they can communicate and engage as well. Those kids have certainly seen that we can do stuff when we really need to. We've shut down a country in three days. Mm. So yeah, the the numbers the numbers were amazing. Uh, they they were shocked uh, shocked by the amount of uh, support that they got. Um, and you know, I told them, I said, no, don't be shocked. Uh, first of all, you have a look at every single school in the in the entire district. Every single school should have shut its doors. We should have uh, got a hundred percent attendance to, to that hiko. I said, you guys got to start uh, thinking bigger. Um, there was a couple of schools that um, that weren't um, um, supportive of it, and um, you know, me me coming from from an area where they expect me to protest and uh, and you know, kind of push our uh, our kaupapa, um We we basically have to challenge. Sometimes we just have to challenge authority, if, especially if it's if there's an injustice or um, you know trying to get you to conform with something with ideals that um, don't align with uh, your own. 
I have some questions to end the show with and oops, not very much time to do them, so we shall have to rattle through. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? I, I suppose uh, one of the biggest successes on a uh, big cope up that's dragged out for uh, almost uh, four years now is obviously uh, the announcement that was made a couple of days ago by the minister um, removing that uh, uh, racist legislation. That that's going to have um, that's going to have uh, an immediate effect. So that's a, a massive deliverable outcome. That's awesome. Um, the other the other big thing that we managed to get across the line as well uh, was this um, application for uh, 19 million to provide um, capacity capability in the Kaimai, especially for Tangata Whenua as well. And I think that's going to be a really big kickstart for a lot of our hapu, for our poorer hapu that don't have that capacity capability. So within about four to five years, that funding is going to develop that. And uh, it's going to set the platform um, for many uh, social benefits for many financial uh, benefits and cultural benefits coming back to our people directly um, associated with that uh, kaupapa. Um, lots, lots. I challenge myself and I challenge my people as well. Um, if I don't deliver and I sit on a representational seat for you, you've got to kick me off. You've got to replace me. So um, we, we've, we've had a lot of successes over, over the years, but those are the two that I can um, say that um, I'm probably most satisfied and most proud of. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are on the team. What is the superpower that's got you into the mansion? Okay. Um, there's a number of things. Personally, I think it's it's a quality called empathy. Uh, the second thing is there's a saying that we stand on uh, the shoulders of giants to achieve great success. And um, I can say that I'm only one small component in a big machine of activists and um, and caring people within uh, within our community, our network. And and the fact is, it's usually it's usually the same turkeys that are there at the protest lines and uh, and uh, being advocates. Whatever the important uh, environmental kaupapa, representational kaupapa, uh it's the likes of um, you know people that inspire me as well, which is uh, obviously Marweta. Um, there's uh, Tony Boynton uh, from your guys. Uh, way as well, uh, Marweta. Um, oh, Matthew Tukaki and the work that he does, the, the likes of Buddy McHydes and Matiris uh, from uh, Tauranga City Council and, and uh, Tauranga Wana. But there's many people. Um, it's just having an inspirational support network um, uh, that, that I find is, is the most uh, most important um, aspect of uh, you know of this. So, do you consider yourself to be an activist? Uh, yes. Now, now I do. Now I do. Um, I, I, I never used to. Uh, being brought up uh, quite a conservative uh, in a conservative religious uh, environment, um, we were supposed to be politically impartial. Um, but like, like I said, uh, somebody that has a natural empathy can see injustices and uh, believe that hey, if they have have the skill sets, abilities, you have an obligation or responsibility to um, you know to fight against those injustices. Yeah. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, I, I think I think just having the opportunity to to be able to make make a difference. And um, I, I can see 
10, 20 to 30 years down the track, the work that we do now is going to make a significant difference. And like, like I mentioned before, we've got our kaumatuas living in shacks um, in their 70s, 80s on the papakainga. Uh, we have a, a number of uh, you know health issues, uh, housing affordability and um, homelessness issues uh, in my community as a representative. Um, if my people didn't have anybody, there, there wouldn't be anybody here to um, to advocate for them. So, so it, it, like I said, it's the responsibility or obligation thrust onto us. And if we're the type of person that has the skill set um, and we can make make the make a change or or an effort, then uh, we must. Um, it's implied. So. So yeah, I, I think it's I think it's also a privilege uh, for me to uh, represent my people and um, and uh, tr- try to deliver outcomes. And I'm very outcome focused as well. What challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Ooh, shoot. Um, there, there's a number. There's a number. Um, w- one of the big things I'm really focused on is the development of capacity capability within Hapu, and especially our Hapu in Northern Tauranga. And I think if if I can if I can um, set up a really robust uh, platform and a sustainable plan and strategy going forward, then if I if I'm ever taken out of the mix, then my my hapu have the capability capacity to uh, continue on with the work that that I've been um, I've been doing myself. Um, there's some big uh, water initiatives uh, coming in as well. That's another important co-papa. But uh, if if I'm successful in establishing that platform for our hapu and iwi and Tarongwana, then you know a lot of these hills and mountain climb as far as co-papa uh, would be so much easier. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I suppose going back to our, our Prime Minister, um, you know, the first time I met her, I knew she was going to be a Prime Minister one day. And that was like a meeting of, of about, uh, you know, half an hour. And, and I was a representative at um, Master Painters of uh, New Zealand. And she came and spoke to us. And I thought, man, this woman is amazing. So her message to Kindness, I think, is is really important. Um, and you know, we've seen in recent times that uh, there is absolutely a lack of uh, kindness uh, in the world. And I think if uh, we make an effort to to be kind, um, to pay it forward, to give it back, uh, to show a little bit more empathy, I think this, the world will, will be a, a better place. Thank you very much for that, Moira. Ricky Moana Jackson said the bliss of freedom enjoyed by those who have power should never mean the right to cause pain to those who are comparatively powerless. And that is so right. And thank you for all that you do to bring power back to the powerless. You're a good man and we're lucky to have you. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, my widow.
blowing bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mwera Karatai in Fafatani and in Mount Monganui, Ricky Nelson. This is Tiki Tane's song about the mount, No Place Like Home. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.